It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Jamar Chase had a bigger game in week six than we've seen from him in a while. We're going to talk about how they used him and how they can continue to evolve his role in this offense. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. It is film review day with Sands at Bengals underscore Sands. Mike Santagata you can find him on Twitter and on all Bengals and elsewhere. Does a lot of content about the Bengals these days. We're brought to you today by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. And of course, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your Bengals every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. So subscribe, so follow. We'll be delivered to your devices when we post our content. You'll get to listen to us first thing in the morning when you drive to work. And we appreciate everybody who does that. And like I said, we're going to dive into Jamar Chase today. We've talked about the shotgun offense the last couple of days and the evolution that we're seeing schematically from this team. That'll come up as well. We're also going to talk about the offensive line showing some signs of improvement and the defensive line, the interior defensive line, where there are question marks and, and questionable depth, at least heading into two very run heavy opponents in the coming weeks. But we're going to start, Mike, with Jamar Chase. Big game, obviously. And, you know, we've talked about this. We've gone back and forth as we've both watched the film. What was it that the Bengals did that was maybe different, if anything, this week with Jamar outside of just targets that that made him go off in week six that we didn't see from him in in the prior weeks? Yeah, I guess uh, the first thing I think of is what everybody wanted and all those crossing routes and whatnot. It wasn't a ton of them, but he got targeted on them, and he ran some shallow stuff he didn't get targeted on. Um, I think of – when I think of the the over-the-middle targets in, what, week five against the Ravens, the, it was like a dig, and it was things like that. And now they had him a little bit more sometimes on the shallow crosser, on the crosser, the drag – things like that that get him ball and moving and he got targeted on them more too because that was always really the issue with uh, all the route charts was well he's all his targets are outside there but he's actually running that stuff sometimes and this time he ran it a little bit more frequently and they uh, targeted him on those routes more often I have a follow-up question really quick when you look at Jamar Chase's strengths as a receiver a lot of people want to see him use more over the middle I think slants drags He's been really good in those situations. Don't recall a ton of the Bengals running him on post, a ton of him on digs. That's more of what they asked T. Higgins to do. Is, is that a skill set thing? Like he's a different kind of route runner. He doesn't have that deception in his route running. He's more of a power burst kind of guy. Or, or what do you think that is? Do you think that's a preference or do you think that's a skill set thing? I think the first thing is he's a stubby six foot. Uh, so when you got a guy that's six foot four with 
go go gadget arms that can go over the middle and catch the ball high like we saw T do this week again. Um, you probably want to use that guy in there. Where I think T is also just the best, such a niche skill, but the dig the dig route. He's just the best at it on the team and one of the better ones in the NFL entirely. Just at reading the underneath coverage, getting to the right spot, being able to turn his body over the middle of the field, still take hits and extend his long arms to make those catches. Chase, I want to see him on the move more. He's a really good yak guy. That's why I like that underneath crosser stuff so he can catch it and run. Uh, the dig, a lot of times you end up kind of turning around and sitting down kind of stuff to catch that. Whereas on slants, on drags, and even on shallow crossers, you're catching the ball and running still. So I like when they use that, they used him on routes because they tried to dig route against the Ravens and it didn't work. And that wasn't because of Chase's skill set. The linebacker just drops into that spot. Uh, but I like him more when he's catching the ball and running on the move rather than catching it and having to sit in the voids of the coverage because that is more of a T. Higgins thing for me. Sands, let's uh, stick with wide receivers because we know how much I like to talk about wide receivers. And I can't believe Jake asked two questions without allowing me to ask a question about wide receivers, the most important position in sports, wide receivers. Uh, Tyler Boyd, he was actually used this week. He is on the team for those wondering. Uh, what what did they do differently with TB83? Because obviously he was a factor with his six catches for 66 yards. For the first time since the Super Bowl, I think they had him on some choice routes. Mm -hmm. uh, choice, uh, slop, uh, Lucy, looky. It's all the same thing. That just means it's a slant out option. And this is something that Brandon Marshall, Michael Thomas, Cooper Cup have all killed with. Uh, you come up. You kind of shuffle the feet and you watch the corner. If he goes inside, you're running the out. If he goes outside, you run the slant. And if you have the chance to cross face, cross face. But that's also what got him into trouble with the Super Bowl because he tried to cross a guy's face that was way off of him and not right next to him. So uh, he made a really nice catch on a slant off of the choice concept that he did cross the guy's face and get open. I think it was Chris Harris Jr., who I heard his name on the broadcast. I was like, oh, I didn't know he was still playing. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he catches that, and um, I'm not sure how good Chris Harris is, but he's still starting. Uh, he didn't look terrible or anything. So he he's able to cross Chris Harris Jr.'s face, make the catch on a slant. And I just thought using him in those ways, especially against these two high shells, um, is really smart because when you think of two high versus one high, two high, both safeties are back. One high, one of those safeties gets down into that area, so it just clogs up the middle a little bit more. What, what, is, what does that do for the offense when you're getting the ball to Boyd over the middle, which I feel like is something everybody's talked about. But what did, what did that do? Because he was the first guy that kind of got, got things going, and then we saw Jamar and T sprinkled in throughout the game, and then obviously Jamar had the, the huge plays at the end. Yeah, I think it just gets them the first downs when they need them. He's not going to be the guy that's going to, even though he's done this, what, twice? He's not really the guy that's going to catch the huge play and sprint down the field for like a 50-yard gain, the, the chunk plays, the explosives. It's not really him, but when you need a first down, and not always when you need it on third down and stuff, but let's say we want to pick up eight yards on first down, or it's you know second and seven. And that's a guy you can go to in that spot to just pick up that first down, keep the chains moving, rather than getting in these third downs, third and longs that have killed the Bengals this year. What's the next step then, Mike? James, good two questions in a row. Retaliation, I, I respect it. That, that's that's right. well-deserved. Uh, <laughs> what's the next step for this Bengals offense? We've seen them start to attack these two high defenses a little bit differently. I think they got a lot of single high from the Saints, although, as I mentioned to you in our DMs, Mike, with all the matching they do, I had a hard time figuring out what some of the coverages were. It seemed like there was a lot of three 
from the Saints this week. But what do you think? Where do they go from here? That they've got this increased involvement of the RPO, the the increased usage of the shotgun, using Tyler Boyd a little bit more on some of these choice routes that we've been asking for for a while. What would you like to see them do? Specifically, let's talk about Jamar Chase, because this is a player that I think Bengals fans are most interested in seeing, getting him the ball in space, letting him do things like Debo Samuel and Tyreek Tyree Hill after the catch, letting him use his dynamism. Where, where would you like to see them go or, or use more of? Or are you happy with what they did in week six? I, I was happy with what they did in week six. I thought it was uh, one of the one of the ways when I think about this offense and how it should be utilized, that kind of was, yeah, that's a whole game of what I would probably think that they do best and they had a good game. But also uh, the one area I think is really lacking from Chase and they're able to get one 10 yard gain or so out of it is just a screen game with him. And uh, they just, they're not really a good screen team, but they got him on a flat screen. I believe it was an RPO and they ran it again, but they handed it off the second time. But that's just, is an Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers staple where the number three trips, so three wide receivers or a tight end, but this three wide receivers and the number three is just running straight flat and uh, the other two guys block for him. This is actually the play against the Ravens last year that they faked the screen and threw a touchdown. Um, because Josh Bynes knew the call. <laughs> so they changed the call to being the uh, fake screen. Um, but anyway, just I'd like to see him run like a good tunnel or a good jailbreak screen and actually get the blocking in front of him so that he can get past the first level and be one-on-one with safeties. You're James, you're muted. My bad. See, me and Jake are just on, on separate pages right now. Call it uh, Joe Jamar week five back shoulder. Right. I'm going go ball. He's throwing back shoulder. We'll get it ironed out and we're going to switch gears talking about the offensive line. How good were they in week six? We'll discuss that next. But first, a word from LinkedIn jobs, because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100 percent certain that you're getting the most qualified candidate available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. They have simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So check them out right now. LinkedIn Jobs, it's going to help you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And all you have to do is go to linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life, homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, guys, let's dive into offensive line talk where there was some improvement 
We've had a couple of weeks of it now. The running game two weeks in a row is working. Some of that, I think, could be the package play stuff the Bengals are doing with their running game, and it is affecting linebackers to, in a pretty significant way. Another part of this is that, well, they, they're not running wide zone. They're, they're not going under center and running wide zone at this point. And so, Mike, when you're looking at this offensive line, let's start with the running game. I know there wasn't much of it this week. We'll go to pass blocking as well. What were the big takeaways for you? How how is things how have things progressed for this unit? It felt like a lot of the wide zone under center stuff was on life support last week where they just kind of ran it twice, three times, and each one of them was bad. Uh, and then this week it was just gone. They were just like, all right, we're a gap team. We're, we're just running from the gun. It's what works. Um, it, their gaps, their gun run stuff was up around six yards per carry. Uh, last week and it was again this week it was up, up above five so what they're doing the stuff that works and they've kind of cut out and it is impressive they've cut out the stuff that frank pollock and zach taylor love the one run play that they want to base their run game off of they've just kind of gone i guess we got the wrong guys <laughs> or something along those lines that you know frank's just able to dial up new scheme on the on the fly, this stuff was going to be in there, but it's like we weren't going to major in duo and uh, inside zone from the gun, but I guess we'll have to. So they've done a good job of adapting to the skill sets of their offensive line. The offensive line is gelling a lot more. They're able to actually work together and not leave a free guy every single play. Um, just And I would say to go all with that is Mixon looks healthy. Uh, I thought weeks two through four, he didn't look healthy. He just – falling down whenever he got contacted couldn't get through a hole without falling down at times and now he's able to actually make guys miss and run through at the second level mm -hmm. yeah it's been nice to to see joe put those questions to bed a little bit about does he still have juice well we've we've seen it a little bit the past couple of weeks um i, I want to ask you about lyle collins because he's taken the most heat out of anyone on this offensive line he got cold taked with the bodyguard comments and you know, the sack numbers and everything like that. But how is he playing? Because it seems like, at least to me, that, that he's been better in recent weeks and those Wednesdays off might be doing that that body well in helping him get to closer to 100%, at least on Sundays. I thought last week was okay. It was nothing like to write home about. It was not a terrible performance, but he also faced off against a very older Justin Houston for most of the game and still give up uh, either a pressure or a sack. I can't even remember at this point on an inside move this week to start it. I believe the first half, if you just looked at that, this looked like the guy we were talking about all off season when they signed him in Dallas, this top five right tackle, he was dominant against everybody. He dominated Cam Jordan. He dominated the, Passing Noah, I believe is his name. Number 90. <laughs> Everybody they were throwing right. at him. And uh, 93, who was <laughs> sometimes their defensive tackle, and they run duo and they need him to drive. He's able to drive that guy out of the hole in the run game. He's able to throw Cam Jordan onto his face and pass protection. He got a couple snatch traps in. He had one thing turned to like a hockey scrum, and number 90 had his arms flailing around. That was one of my favorite clips. Um, but just in the first half, he looked dominant. Like, this is who they signed. This is the steal signing they had. Then it wasn't as good in the second half, but it wasn't terrible. It wasn't even as bad as, like, weeks one through four. It was kind of a little bit like week five. And also, I would say he's not hitting the ground as often. It still happened a few times and probably still is probably the most common offensive lineman to hit the ground if one's going to do it. But 
against Baltimore even, he was still falling down on like 70% of these plays towards the end. And this time, it's the first time I think like the back might be getting better because what I think of when that happens, it's either he can't move enough to push that guy so he dies or it just locks up as he's trying and it just kind of gives out. And this time, it's I didn't see any of like the locking up and giving out thing he dove a couple times and i just don't know if he's moving as well as he did in dallas it might still be at like 90 percent of what he was able to do so he's diving on those and he doesn't realize his more limited athleticism now but just a long way to say it looks like collins might be back at least in the first half first three quarters even i would say he looked good not just yeah not not just good for what he's done this year but legitimately a good right tackle and the guy next to him has been playing awesome. Yeah, let's talk about Alex Kappa as well, and it could continue. Now that That's one thing I wanted to point out for Collins in particular. It's not like, at least for one week, until until the Cleveland defensive end duo comes or, or plays against Cincinnati on Monday Night Football on Halloween, Atlanta doesn't necessarily threaten you in severe ways on the edge. Arnold Abikady, the rookie out of Penn State, has been okay for them. He's been he, he I think, just had his best game. The interior, though, Grady Jarrett is by far the best player on this Atlanta defense. As we look forward to next week a little bit and thinking about the way the interior offensive line is played, how's that going with the other new guys, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, Cordell Volson, to, to round out the four new offensive linemen in 2022? Yeah, I think Cordo Volson has been a little bit of the weak link at times. Um, just he is a guy that people are able to successfully attack a little bit. Uh, Ted Karras has been solid. He's he's kind of just been solid the entire year. I can't think of too many games where he was bad outright, but I can't think of too many outstanding games either. Um, but Alex Kappa this week was outstanding to me. He had, I think, like two missed blocks out of the entire game. That's really good. Um, don't remember any pressures from him don't recall too much wrong. So when that happens, that's already got you on a good level. And then he's doing these really nice pickups on the linebackers because the saints love to play aggressively and tell their linebackers, if you see a, if you see a hole open up, fire through it and get the ball. And um, Pete Werner tried to do that. I think two, three, four times. And each time Kappa picked him up and, pushed him into the uh, into the pile, picks him up, pushed him into the pile, and then Collins right next to him is able to drive his guy out of the hole, and it just did such a nice job in the run game. I do think Grady Jarrett is a problem because he looks like he's healthy and playing better than he has in the past couple of years, just from cursory glances and from statistics. I haven't deep-dived him just yet, but uh, when he was at his best, he was always a guy that was almost like, 90, 85% of Geno Atkins. So if you think of that, uh, Hall of Fame level of Geno Atkins, and then you've got 90% of that, that's that's an all-pro player, uh, at least to me. So I thought Rager was always playing around an all-pro level at his peak. He looks like he's getting near that form at least, and uh, that is an issue for I, more to me, Volson, because if I'm Atlanta and I'm Dean Pease, their defensive coordinator, I'm scheming up ways to get him one-on-one with a rookie. Whether or not mm-hmm. that rookie is even playing well, I want to test that early, especially on third and long. Jonah obviously had to play through that knee injury and has has done a, a good job, I think, being able to just tolerate the pain that comes with it and, and play through it at the second half of the Baltimore game and then obviously on Sunday against the Saints as well. 
Uh, Zach Taylor said no setbacks or anything like that. They're not worse for wear for playing him, which is a good sign. What did he show you? Good, bad, ugly. Um, it was sad that he got injured because I thought he had his best game against Baltimore. And uh, then it was more back to prior weeks where there's good in there, but there's also, he just, it felt a little bit to me like his anchor wasn't able to drop down as quickly. I don't know if that's related to the knee and the pain that comes with trying to stop a 300 pound man from pushing through you. Um, But also at times didn't look, I don't remember if it was his left or right knee, but I know there's specifically a play that went to the inside and it looked like he wasn't able to, power off of his uh, left leg to wall the guy off inside like that so uh, a few times it showed up he didn't have his best game don't think he was terrible and he's better than any of the backups probably would have been so commendable for just for him to get out there and play and he's playing at a higher level than the backups would be able to but it was no longer at the um i would write home about this type of stuff that he did against baltimore we'll have to see that continue to improve hopefully that knee gets healthier hopefully Collins back continues to get healthier like I said not an incredibly steep level of competition off the edge for Atlanta and a defense honestly that has been prone to error and and giving up a lot of offense but their running game on the other hand without Cordero Patterson even just just with Marcus Mariota and and Tyler Algier rookie is going pretty well in that offense. We're going to talk about the interior of the Bengals defensive line as they're going to have a lot to deal with the next two weeks to finish up the show coming up next. Bet Online is your number one sports for all things football betting this season. Whether it's the NFL, whether it's college football, if you want the latest odds, props, if you want to maybe wager on the Bengals to win the AFC North, tied for first place again, three and three. Are they about to make the run? Well, you could cash in now by getting the odds. Now, when things are up in the air at Bet Online, and it's not just NFL, like I said, with the NBA kicking off, with uh, I, should, I guess I should say tipping off, with the NBA tipping off, or the Major League Baseball playoffs in full swing, you can wager on anything from that to MMA, boxing, and golf. So go to Bet Online right now, sign up for free today, or use your mobile device, by the way. It doesn't have to just be your laptop or PC. So check out Bet Online. I've used them. You should too. Bet Online, where the game starts. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover limitations apply see terms at discover.com slash credit card all right guys let's shift gears let's talk defense we haven't done this for more than a couple minutes for a while now we've been very focused on this offense we've talked a lot about the offense on the show this week though so if you want more on the offense just go back check out yesterday's episode we spent pretty much the entire episode there interior defensive line for the bengals right now for guys on the roster for, for base downs, because they're playing Joseph Osai at three-tech uh, in pass-rushing situations. And he had a really nice play there, by the way, in, in week six. But the base down stuff, the run D, guys, that's what I'm talking about today. And that's BJ Hill, who they extended and is a starter from the start of the year. Zach Carter, who's been playing a lot, especially for a third-round rookie. I, I think that it's largely because they they 
lost DJ Reader. He's had to play more. And that was J2 Fele. Josh Dupo got hurt, of course. DJ Reader at least one more week away from his return, if not longer, and no timetable committed to from Zach Taylor there. How were the Saints so good in the running game against the Bengals, Mike? This is a unit that had been previously, well, really prior to week five anyway, pretty good against the run this year. I think it starts with uh, they had two explosive plays given up, one to Taysom Hill and one to um, Shaheen, I believe was his name. Practice squad guy. Got to take a good sweep. (laughs) Yeah, took a jet sweep like 60 yards and made uh, Von Bell and all these people fall down. So I don't know. I think that's some of it. But also Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram had good games. So that doesn't take away the the entirety of it. And I thought that they were a little bit dominated in the trenches at times. Um, I could find at least one play for each BJ Hill, Josh Tupo, or Zach Carter where they just got washed five plus yards down the field. And you just can't overcome that when you're the other players on, on that uh, defensive, on that defensive front Uh, at times they were able to wash those guys back into the linebackers. And then that's when I believe Adam was talking about Jermaine Pratt's getting driven like five, six, seven yards downfield. Well, the Bengals slow play and they like to sit there and wait. And then it ends up, well, the defensive tackles push back into your lap and you're already four yards downfield. And then he drives you another three yards. Yeah. It's seven yards downfield before the running backs even contacted. So the, I didn't think the linebackers did a great job. And I, this is all just, to me, a domino effect from the DJ Reader injury a little bit. We saw the cracks against Baltimore, but this is where a kind of floodgate open moment at times. But it got better. And I want to say Sam Hubbard still did a great job uh, in run defense. He's just always going to be a great run defender. And then to go with that, um, I thought J.J. Faley played good. I thought he was the best interior defensive lineman. And that is not too eh, it's a little bit of an indictment on the interior de- defensive line from uh sunday's performance but it's also jay tufele played well there are a lot of plays that are went, ooh, he flashed there or yeah he didn't even get washed on that double team it, it's the double teams that are killing these guys none of them can hold up against those double teams except reader and then tufele came in he was able to hold up on a combo and it was uh noteworthy because nobody else did that so far <laughs> So do you think it's sustainable with with these guys, given that I, – and I, I don't know if Reader's going to come back for Cleveland, but I think he's getting closer. So it's not – I don't expect him to be out another four weeks either. Do you think they should go add someone? Do you think Tyler Shelvin should just uh, get the nod? How, how do you think they approach it here? Because you're right. They like Jay Tufele a lot. Obviously, BJ Hill got the big contract. Um, and then they can mix guys in like Osai. Maybe they, they promote – uh, someone else from the practice squad and, and give him some interior reps. Um, well, what's his name? The fifth rounder from Notre Dame, uh, Khalid Kareem. Uh, you know, you could do that too. I, what, what do you think? What route do you think they go? Yeah, if they're doing that stuff, they could also pro- possibly toss Cam Sample in there on some downs. He's done it before. Yep. So they could just band-aid it all together and try to last two more, one more week, however long it'll be. Um, but uh, I don't know who's out there and not Sue. Let's not talk about like these big name type guys. Cause I don't think they're signing them after DJ reader went down. They didn't sign anybody. Uh, they just promoted to So I'm not sure they're going after a name like that, but if there is a guy out there that they liked or something, I'd not oppose to them bringing in more depth because I don't want these guys playing too much and getting hurt themselves. Whether or not they think Tyler Shelvin can do that. I don't know. Can Tyler Shelvin play more than I'm, what's the most snaps he's ever played? Like a dozen. It's uh, he's a huge guy. 
And uh, I'm not sure his stamina when he's not, you know, playing in all the games. And also questions about whether he can hold up on those doubles because he wasn't able to last year. So if it was me, I'd probably try to bring one guy in maybe and just have a bigger group. But I also get the idea that you're getting your re- – the cavalry is on the way. You guys just need to man the fort. Really the best run defense that they'll be able to do against Atlanta is to go up 14 in the first quarter and just try to force Mario to throw the ball. Just real quick, Shelvin has 58 career snaps on defense and four career games. Just so that's like an third. average of more than 12, Mike. Come on. But, but, but uh, in, in Mike's defense, 49 of those were last year in three games. So really not, not many snaps this year. One game, nine snaps. Oh yeah. I, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just giving him a hard time. Look, I, I don't personally have a whole lot of faith that Tyler Shelvin's the answer. If he is, that's fantastic. That's great. That means you have a chief resource to plug in there. You don't have to go spend your salary cap that you have very little of. You don't have to get creative with restructures. That, that just makes the Bengals' life easier. Sam Hubbard, though, Mike, while, while we're on the topic of the defensive line, and, and let's hit on Logan Wilson as well. Sam Hubbard continues to play at an elite level this year. They lose Logan Wilson, though. What, what do you think happens with Akeem Davis-Gaither coming back? I thought he played reasonably well, but also was on the field for, according to PFF, zero run defense snaps against the Saints. So losing Logan Wilson late in that game didn't get to see what they would do to necessarily replace him in, in those run looks. Can, can Sam Hubbard cover some of this stuff up any more than he did last week? And Akeem Davis-Gaither looking at a return to the starting lineup, how do those project for you? I thought Akeem Davis-Gaither's run defense was surprisingly good against the Dolphins. If mm-hmm. I'm going to go back and think about this year, um, he just scares me as a 215, 20-pound guy trying to set edges and taking on linemen because I just think if I was a coach, I would go, yeah, let's run at that guy. (laughs) Let's run at the small one. Um, But he did a really good job. So, you know, lure them into the trap. Um, I think if it's the Bengals and it's the Bengals that we saw last year, they're just a next man up at linebacker. They're Mm -hmm. not bringing anybody onto this team. Pratt plays well. He does what they want uh, for for the most part. And he, when Wilson was out last year, Pratt played well. And then whether it was Davis Gaither, I don't believe he played at all on that starting lineup. So whether it was Batchy, it was um, Bailey, any, either one of those guys during the regular season, when Wilson was out, they stepped up and they played well. So I think what they really like their linebacker depth. I've often thought that, at least this year, they've kind of got like the unit to play a four, three, even though that's not what they believe in. And on base downs go with three linebackers because the interior is also a little bit shallow, but those linebackers just so deep that I think they'll be able to get away with a a Wilson injury for a while. You hope it's not too long, but Mm -hmm. anybody that's tweeting God's plan probably isn't coming back soon. Um, So I, I think they'll be able to get away with it. You just hope that Wilson's back sooner rather than later. Yeah, it would be rough if it's if it's longer. And we'll we'll know more on Wednesday. And Zach Taylor said that they're hopeful it's week to week. So we'll see there. Uh, but real quick, Sam Hubbard. And uh, in, in Jake asked about him. Obviously, he's he's flashed. It seems like he's making a play or two every week that that sticks with you, or at least sticks with me. Uh, is there anything different about him this year? than last year or previous years when you watch the film? Is he just flashing more? Is it just me? Or or is he standing out and popping off a little bit more than normal? 
I think he was popping out a little bit more than normal. I don't know if it's the built bar diet or what, but it's gotta uh, be. I mean, <laughs> he's he's on. just getting a few extra plays per game. It seems a few extra flash plays, especially pass rushing. It feels like he's getting these good bull rushes in there. He, he put Greg Little on his back. Anytime you can do that to a professional athlete, that's impressive. Just got to come up with the sack and don't let Teddy throw you off. Maybe he needs two built bars before the play next time. Um, but yeah, he's, a, he's been really strong. He's flashed more than uh, he has in the past. I almost want to say more than normal, but he's having his career year, and he's still a very, very good run defender, and he is now starting to add on good pass rushing to it. Even a few times against the Saints, who have a top three, four right tackle in Ryan Ramchick, he was able to bull rush him back and not get the sack or not force Dalton off his spot, but stop him from being able to get away from somebody on the other side. So I just really like what uh, Sam Hubbard has been able to do this year. Um, Jake's at elite. And I was like, that is high praise. I think, I think Trey Hendrickson's. Yeah. I think Trey Hendricks, they are at the hip guys. Like wherever Trey goes, Sam goes, they, they probably, they eat together from what I see. They walk out to practice together. They stretch together. And so, Trey Hendrickson's a great edge rusher. You know, you, you're telling me that it, it can't help a little bit or give you that little bit of, you know, a pointer here, pointer there where it, where it makes all the difference. So, yeah, I, I think that that, that certainly uh, helped, even if it's a little bit, having someone like that to, to play around and play next to. A couple guys we're not going to get to talk to today, talk about today, not talk to. Well, we also won't talk to them, but I just want to shout out really quick for a couple – Nice performances. I mentioned Joseph Osai's name a little bit earlier. He continues to be a three-tech pass rusher for the most part for this team. Had another nice little game as a three-tech pass rusher. He had 14 pass rushing snaps against the Saints. And Shadobi Avuzier against some backups of wide receiver, you would expect him to be very good. And he was very good. He was targeted four times in this game, according to PFF, gave up just one catch for seven yards and had that beautiful pass breakup on one of the deep targets that was just very well played. And so shout out to Shadobe Abouzier for yet another. He had two pass breakups in this game. I'm only remembering one of them right now. Yet another really strong performance for a guy that continues to be underrated by those that don't closely watch the Bengals in the AFC North. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're back tomorrow with Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons. We'll get a feel for what's going so wrong for that Falcons defense and how they're going to continue to run the ball or not. And Drake London, Kyle Pitts, will, will those guys be factors in the game or is it really going to be that running game even without Cordero Patterson? So that'll be coming your way tomorrow here in addition to some predictions and That's our crossover show before our game preview coming up later this week. Until then, Bengals fans, thanks for listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast. Hootay, and have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.